This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. It's Tuesday night here on Radio City Talk and it can mean only one thing. You are sitting comfortably with the Fight Disciples. I'm your host, Nick Pete, and joining me in the studio tonight, two very special guests to look back over what's been yet again another magnificent year for Merseyside Boxing. 2017 is practically in the can now. We had the final real big event at the weekend, Natasha Jonas, Jonas adding to her undefeated record. I'm sure we'll come on to that later in the show, but let me just announce my esteemed guests in front of me, first and foremost. Young Foz, Elliot Foster, boxing writer for BoxingScene.com and also the uh, boxing reporter for the Liverpool Echo. Welcome to the studio. Thanks, Nick. And to my right is a man, well, he really needs no announcement, you know what I mean? He speaks for himself. Chris Walker, boxing writer for Boxing News, features writer extraordinaire. Chris, welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me, Nick. Uh, let's get stuck in, men. Let's you know. Let's book back now over a magnificent year, and you know, you know what I say, magnificent. I, I reviewed, kind of looked at every single fight that went down on Merseyside side and involving scousers over the last twelve months. And magnificent, you know what? That might be a little bit too big a word. Maybe transition might be a better word for two thousand and seventeen. Maybe a year that's building towards something great in two thousand and eighteen. Of course, we had standout performances, and of course, we had some incredible matchups that went down in this city but we didn't have that breakthrough moment we didn't have that breakthrough world champion lifting a belt above his head again it was a time when the likes of Liam Smith Tony Bellew Paul Butler Rocky Field and all these guys are jostling looking for these bigger fights they didn't quite happen uh, certainly for the latter three and this year but 2018 could be a massive year I don't want to literally sell this before we get there. Let, let's build it up. But you know what, guys? We've got to start somewhere, and we've got to start at the big one, I think. We've got to start at our standout boxer of the year. Um, now, before I let, let you guys loose on the mic, let me just give you a quick rundown of some of maybe the more novice fighters who've been the most active this year. So the most active fighter from Merseyside and its greater region, Mason Cartwright, had five fights in 2017, finishing three of those fights early. And then we had quite a few fighters actually who went 4-0 and in 2017. Nick Ball, Joe Wood, Luke Willis, Anthony Fowler, including three stoppages. Tassa Jonas stopped them all. And Sam Maxwell also went 4-0, and stopping them all. Some Fantastic young talent there, Chris. But can we really pick a young, up-and-coming novice pro as, as Boxer of the Year? I, I don't think this year, no. I think um, there was, like I said, the names you've mentioned then, there were some good performances, but it's still more or less people starting their careers out. Um, I think at the other end of the sport, we had some massive performances. Liam, Liam Smith was in two fantastic fights, grudge matches, matches that meant the world to him against Liam Williams. Um, that like sort of crossed the line um, into a bit of a, a a nasty rivalry at some point. And obviously you had Tony Bellew against David Hay. I think Sean Dodd, um, two good performances against the Apple Yard and um, Tom Stalker, yep. in a fight in between as well. But I think the names you mentioned now, I think names we'll probably be speaking about maybe next year or the year after. But for me, I still think in the infancy of the career, um, we've got to look at the top end of the sport when handing this award out. Yeah. What about you, Ellie? What was the what was the you know the perf- big performer for you this year? Well, the, I think the I think the big performer in terms of the the obvious one yeah would have to be to, would have to be Tony Bellew and what he did yeah. against David Hay in London. Um, a lot of scousers made a lot of money that night. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I wasn't one of them. But don't tell me you backed David Hay. I didn't. Back, or you just kept your money in your pocket. I pockets. didn't back David Hay. I just didn't put a bet on. Yeah. And I'm and I'm sorry I didn't know, but. When you when you look at when you're looking at boxer of the year, it's hard to look past Tony Bellew, that's for sure. Yeah, certainly on this on the strength of that one performance, you know, it's certainly not Tony's problem. Hopefully, you know, we'd have liked to have been sitting here talking about two and oh and two stoppages for two thousand seventeen for Tony Bellew. But one fighter you just didn't mention there who did have a great year as well. Um who was probably a step above the, the, the other guys that I mentioned a bit earlier, but JJ Metcalf went three and 2017, all three by stoppage. Verge of a British title fight now, Chris as well. Yeah, he, he, I think his last fight against Damon Jones was. 
he was getting hit back um, for the uh, the first time in a long time, and it would have done him the world of good. I know is there's a p- situation now with the British Boxing Board of Control where he's due to fight for the British title against, um, I think it's Ted Cheeseman. I know the British Boxing Board of Control have called for that fight. That's a fantastic fight. You've yeah. got a Frank Warren fighter against a matchroom fighter, so hopefully we can escape the politics and, and, and the fight can be made. He's someone who definitely needs to win a title in 2018. I think he's been let off the leash. He's, he's a great job's being done for Daddy Matthews' gym. Um, but I think for too long now, he's been the next best thing to come out of Liverpool. Yeah. He needs to prove that next year. What do you think, Al? You're pretty close to that camp. You, you know, you're at Derry's gym all the time. You know, can can Jay, Jay kick on and win this British title next year and move forward from there? Jay definitely can, but I think just, for, just from reading the latest board notices, he'll have to wait a little bit longer. Only because Ted Cheeseman's actually pulled out of that fight. Um, the board have ordered an eliminator between um, Joe Pigford and Asinia Byfield, the former Southern Area champion. Um, so I think they'll have, to w- they'll have to wait for that fight to play out first before they find out, obviously, who JJ will fight for the British title. Yeah. But it, w- it will definitely come in 2018. Yeah. However, one thing that I do know is that Frank Warren's team have been in discussions with with both Metcalf and... Pigford, yeah, with regards to some sort of fringe WBO belt, right? To fight, to fight, yeah, to bypass what, the British title. Well, what's happening with the British title? Because as far as I know, it's still owned by Liam Williams, Chris. I think Williams has vacated the title. Right. I, um, he hasn't. He hasn't vacated. He was stripped by. He was stripped, was by, stripped the board by the board on a technicality. Right. Because, obviously, because he lost to Liam Smith. He's lost to a domestic rival, yeah. basically. So it's as good so, as losing the British title yeah. fight, I guess. So the so the board stripped and made the title vacant. And then they released the circulars last week. In regards to who should fight for the vacant belt. In regards belt. to who should fight for the vacant belt. And obviously, JJ had been ordered to fight Cheeseman yeah. in a final eliminator. As soon as, as soon as Williams vacated the title, that was then pushed up to a full title fight. Gotcha, of course. And then, but obviously now because, um, because Cheeseman's pulled, pulled out, the... Everything's in limbo again. Yeah, yeah. So we're basically waiting for that Lonsdale belt opportunity for JJ Metcalf, but certainly no doubt about it. 3 0 in 2017, three stoppages. You can ask no more than that. And as you say, that performance for me, his last performance, was uh, was probably the best of his career. In terms of Bellew, then let's come back to Bellew. You know, someone the three of us know really well. Yes, he did only have one fight last year, but in terms of magnitude, Chris, it was probably it was probably a bigger fight than, than, than all the others put together. Yeah, it was. It was a it was a fantastic event. It was I, I don't think I think people expect the fireworks that night definitely, but not the type of fireworks that we got. Um, I think I certainly the, the, the result wasn't a surprise to me, um, and, and I say that with someone who's known Tony and followed his career for a long time. Um, the result wasn't a surprise to me, and even with the injury that occurred, I, I think Bellew would um, perform well up up until the. Um, the, the the freak injury that was occurred by David and it, it was it was just a performance just just to remember as I said it, it's he, he's put up with a lot in the build up to that fight and um, he was wrote off at every single angle from those even within the boxing industry no one gave him a chance people were saying he wouldn't make it past three rounds and the atmosphere that night he was just enjoying himself it, it was a it was a good performance a solid performance and, and it, it took his career to another level that bit where where Hayes walking to the ring. And Bellew's just dancing, yeah. you know. He's he's moonwalking away in the ring and everything else. At that very moment, I think that was, you know, as someone that's followed similar to yourself, followed Tony's career throughout, um, and supported him throughout. You know, I genuinely did think he would stop David Hay. I'd spoke to him in the run up, and I knew just by speaking to Tony Bell, you know, when he's when his mind's right and his mind was absolutely switched on. But when I seen him dancing in the ring at that point, I, I thought that's it, he's won. He, he's won. His confidence was through the roof already. It was and. I was speaking to him not not so long ago myself, and he said to me that he went back to the corner at the end of the first round, and he said to Dave Caldwell, "We've won." He, he is, um, in fact, I think it was, I think it was a Fight Disciples uh, interview yeah. that he did where he said he um, he hit David Hay with a with a combination in the first forty seconds, yeah, and it, it was his it was after, it was his expression changed. He felt the power, yeah. 
And after after that, he knew he knew he'd won the fight, and it was just about then getting through it and ultimately getting the win, which he did. Of course, just on Tony Bellew, and we have this conversation on Fight Disciples all the time in terms of where he stands with his legacy and everything else. And you know, we're <sighs> we're, we're, we're putting him, we're rightly putting him up there now with with Paul Ocko, with John Conte. You know how far can the how how far can this go, Chris? You know, are we now saying he's the number one, the greatest, you know, modern day Merseyside boxer? He, he, he won't thank me for saying this, but I'm I'm saying it. He, he he's a big John Conti fan, and and if you'd ask Tony, he, he'd say John Conti is the best fighter this city's ever produced. And in terms of talent, he's probably got a point. But people need to remember that for all Conti's talents, there's no disputing that he, he didn't make the most of it. No, Tony has took every single ounce uh, of, of his ability, which doesn't really compare with other people who were around at the same time, other people that he's fought. Even from this city, never mind uh, on the national scale. Yeah, he's made it count. He's made every... He's put his body, his entire ounce of ability and hard work he's put into his whole career. And and he's the last couple of years, I said, since he's become with Dave Caldwell, the relationship then to have enjoyed in the last couple of years... World champion at Goodison Park in front of all those like Conte never had that. I know, it, never it, had that. And it really has. It, it's just gone to a different level. Um, and I said, even even if it's, if he was to walk away after the Maccabi fight after Goodison Park, he, he could have been satisfied with his career. Then his, his legacy would have been secured. He's pushed on. He's defended his title against BJ Flores. Done what he had to do. And then the big one against David Hay. The, the fight everyone told him not to take. The fight that everyone said that he couldn't win. And he's gone in there. And it was an absolute masterful performance. I had a discussion on social media days after the fight. People were still saying that um, Conti's number one, Hoho's above him, even like people like Shane Neary, all great fighters who've yeah. all contributed to Merseyside boxing history. But I just think for for what Tony's put into the sport for for and for everything that he's taken out, I just can't look past him as being the city's best fighter. Yeah, how far off are we all from building a bronze statue of this man and putting it somewhere? He, we, I asked him about this and he started laughing and said he wants it on Smithdown Road outside the old Listen, quickie. It's gotta go to it's gotta it's gotta go where the bus stop is now. Yeah, yeah. By by the by we the, used to get the bus the, to the rotunda. By the fruit shop where the quickie <laughs> used to be. That's where it's gotta go. Surely the Evertonians want it outside Goodison, don't they? Or if they're not Goodison down, can't they just put it in like a, some kind of centenary park? Maybe we call it Tony Bell. Park, where Goodison is now. Well, doesn't Bellew want to keep? Doesn't Bellew want to keep Goodison for, to play the home games for Bomber Bellew FC? And I think he does actually. Yeah, good points, good points. Okay, so we pretty much decided there. You know, obviously he only had one fight. We get that, but it was the size of the fight. It was the magnitude. However, let me just put a pin in Tony Bellew for one second. Then I'm going to throw curveball at you now because. Before we came into the studio, I said, yeah, it's just professional boxing. We're just going to look at the pros. We're just going to focus on boxing, you know, leave the MMA thing. We'll cover that on Fight Disciples uh, later in the week. But let me just throw a curveball at you because we can't ignore it. There's been another kid from this city. Yes, he's not a pro, but in 2017, he achieved incredible things. I am, of course, talking about Peter McGrail, European gold medalist, world bronze medalist. Chris, what a year this kid's had. We've got a, This is a future superstar for sure. Peter's at that stage now where he's known and, and people are going to be well aware of him. If he fought, 2017 was um, a fantastic year for him. It's, it's sometimes you see it with amateurs where they burst on the scene from, from nowhere. They go from junior to senior um, and he made an arrival in 2017. People in this city knew how good he was. Mm-hmm. Um, followers of amateur boxing knew how good he was, but he announced himself um, and he, he really is going to be Someone who these obviously nations that are respected so much, Eastern European, the Cubans, they're going to be well aware about who Peter McGregor is now. Yeah, the fantastic Europeans, and and in all honesty, he should have done what we're better at the world. It's a bronze medal. It's nothing to be frowned upon or nothing like that. But he had it in his locker to, to go all the way. Did he and, beat and, a Cuban and on that run as well? I, I'm not. I, or did he lose to the Cuban? He beat the Cuban, no. didn't he? Yeah, I'm sure he beat the Cuban. I'm sure he beat the Cuban and then U- lost to a Kazakh. Yeah, the, the Kazakh yeah. beat him. And he's he's at a level now where he's got to push on. He, he, uh, he fought um, a guy I speak to quite a lot, Shakur Stevenson. He's a prospect there from New Jersey. He fought yep. him in the World Series um, and Stevenson won. 
And I interviewed Shakur earlier this year, and he could not say enough nice words about Peter McGrail. Um, and and that's very that that's a very good compliment from a, a good prospect that you'll be hearing a lot from in the years to yeah. come. He was on the Lomachenko card, wasn't he? The week last week, yeah. yeah. Um, he, I think he went to four and zero yeah. or three and zero, but he's got a rivalry brewing with Michael Kong, and that's good. But Stevenson won a silver medal in the Olympics, so he, he's a very very good judge, and he couldn't speak highly about Peter McGrail. He's had a good education in the Everton Red Triangle Gym. He's going from strength to strength with the GB squad and his eyes should firmly be on the Tokyo Olympics in 2020 because he can go a very long way as long as he keeps adjusting, keep learning and, and get used to these tournaments. What does that tell us then about the gym, i.e. Everton Red Triangle, which as we know is an amateur pro mixed gym? Surely then the all signs suggest that amateurs at that level should be training with pros day to day? That's correct. It's, 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 that's that discussion. Um, and I think Paul Stevenson, who's at the Everton Red Triangle, he's sort of... Um, he, he, he's got a modern outlook on, on boxing. You still have that attitude where pros and amateurs should train separately. You know, there's, there's still some gyms around that have still got that attitude. Um, but the the results that the the Everton Red Triangle gyms had in, in recent years, both pro and amateur, British titles, um, titles at, at junior level as amateurs, and and very, like I said Peter McGrail now proving that he's going on to do well as an international. Um, competitor, so they are having good results. They have Red Triangle Jim Peters, someone who's they've put a lot of time into, and, and he's certainly getting the rewards now. What do you think, Ben Boys? Before we sign off this part of the show, are we going to go Bellew or are we go McGrail? I'll come to you first, El. Bellew or McGrail? It's got to be. It's got to be value for me. I mean, I love Peter. Peter's a good pal of mine. I went to school with Peter, so mm-hmm. I know him. I know him well. He's a he's a brilliant fighter. He's only going to get better. Yeah, but you you can't look you can't look past Tony, Chris. Yeah, certainly. I think he just he just didn't win that night. He 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 secured his future. He secured his legacy. It was more than just a win. So I I think Bellew takes the the Fighter of the Year award hands down. There we go, Fighter of the Year, two thousand and seventeen, Tony Bomber Bellew. You're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Stay with us because coming up in part two, we're going to be talking about the Fight of the Year. Uh, our biggest, our favourite performance by a Merseyside boxer of 2017 and also we're going to be looking ahead, you know what, we'll even dip into disappointments, what was the biggest disappointment since 2017 and of course we'll sign off with what we, our hopes, dreams and aspirations for 2018 don't go anywhere You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples here on Radio City Talk still with me in the studio, studio sorry young Elliot Foster and the man himself, Mr. Chris Walker. If you've only just joined us, you've just missed out. We've just crowned Tony Bellew, Merseyside standout boxer for 2017. If you want to know more about a review of international boxing, and MMA for that matter, check out fightdisciples.com. This week we released two shows, two podcasts, all reviewing internationally what was the best things that happened in fight sports for the year that was 2017. So you want a bit more of an international approach? Check out fightdisciples.com. Hit us up on social media. You can download both those podcasts for absolutely free via iTunes or whatever podcast lender that you use. Now, men, coming on to part two, I want to talk about... Uh, you know what? I'm dying to do performance of the year, but let's do fight of the year first. So in terms of fight of the year, I'm talking about ideally a fight that happened on Merseyside, or, or just a fight that involved a scouser. Now, let me kick the ball off by saying one of the fights that I enjoyed most of all was in June in Belfast. We hadn't seen him for over a year, but John Quigley came back and had an absolute belter with John O'Carroll. And I maintain, had he not been dropped a couple of times, he'd have absolutely walked that fight, Chris. What a great fight. Yeah, that was a fight that, that should have been in Liverpool with obviously all the scouts' connections to it. Danny Vaughan and Paul Stevenson in both the corners. It was, I picked Quigley to win the fight beforehand and I thought he'd just have the measure um, of Jono. Um, I thought he'd have a, a little bit too much style and, and skill for him, but it wasn't to be and, and he didn't get off to the best of starts. He, no. was, he was chasing the fight. I think he probably would have to adapt his tactics um, probably after round three, certainly after the, the knockdowns that have occurred, but it it did flip the fight several times um, and as I said, without the knockdowns, I think, I think Carroll still would have won. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on any unofficial scorecards, I can see why it would have been a lot closer. But I think Quigley, he has to, he has to build on that performance. Okay, I know it was the first loss of his career. Yeah. Um, but it's the way you should lose. He left every single thing in the ring. He can look back at, at things he done in the fight where he's made mistakes, 
and he's learned from them, but he can't have another spell of absence like he did before, and no. he's got to build on the performance, because even though it was on loss, it was a good performance, he showed lots of character, lots of strength, and he showed lots of resilience, and, and the knockdowns weren't heavy knockdowns, they, no. they were a case of maybe just being a little bit off balance, being caught him um, a little bit cold, and he showed a lot of character, a lot of heart, and he's certainly got to go and build on from this performance. Six months on now, and he still hasn't come back, Chris. That's, That's the frustrating correct. thing with with, with young uh, with young Johnny's career, unfortunately. Johnny was supposed to be back in no, in November on an MTK show in Chorley, but unfortunately, in, in the week of the fight, Jed Carroll was actually supposed to be on that as mm-hmm. well, but unfortunately, the week of the fight, um, the whole card got pulled. Right. So that that put paid to his return. Yeah, um, so frustrating because it was a great fight. It was on BT Sport. I remember I even messaged Frank Warren and all them. I was like, this guy's got to be busy. Look how entertaining he is. He's got a style that's unique to himself. It, it's a fight you could see again. Mm. Uh, I don't know anyone who complain about seeing it again because, as I said, it, he was still, even though Carroll was a, a deserved winner, uh, I will say that um, I, I think the, the fight was very close, but you can't have no complaints about Carroll getting the verdict. It is something you could definitely watch again. Yeah, and yeah. Obviously, I think with the... I know we're here to talk about Merseyside boxing, but the renaissance in, in Irish boxing last year was absolutely superb. Um, I know Frank Warren's going there. Eddie Ann's been going back to Belfast yeah. with um, young Ryan Burnett. Um, so, as I said, that th- th- there is the scope there to, to certainly build that fight again. and That could definitely make up a, um, a very good chief support on one of the, the big fight cards that happens over there. Absolutely. El, in terms of your fight of the year, then, where are you going? See, this is a difficult one, purely because... I've Get been, the splinters out your backside no, and make a commitment, man. Listen, Come on. Purely because I've been, to that, I've been to that many shows this year, yeah. and I've seen that many You don't fights. upset anyone? No, it's not that I don't <laughs> want to upset anyone. I've never been shy to upset people, me, have I? But, uh, no, it, I've, been, I've seen that many fights that, that are, they've, been, they've been barn burners everywhere, mm-hmm. up, and, up, up and down the country, but also... In the hotbed that is Liverpool, yeah, and ultimately, I think I've got, I think I've got to go with the central area title fight. Okay, lovely, brilliant. You, you love a what? central area title. fight, I love fight, a central area you? title fight, and you know what? If he's listening to the show, I bet you Derry Matthews is nodding his head in appreciation as we speak as well. Someone else who loves the central area, which one? Well, there's there the are, Smithy, there are, there Smithy are, twins. Yeah, yeah, there are a few, there are there are a couple because obviously you had Adam Ishmael against Andy Kaloon. Which, yeah. ha- which happened? That was in- a draw, wasn't it? Was that a draw? That was a draw. Yeah, But I've got to go with Craig Derbyshire's win over Anthony Smith. Yeah, yeah. Which happened in Lee, was it? It was. It was, like, it was a VIP it. show, and yeah. I watched it. And you know what? Anyone that's listening now, regular listening to the Fight Disciples, will know. I pushed this card via our social media links on Facebook to get everyone to watch it. So I pat myself on the back like for that one as well. Chris, where are you going to go? Then you're going to go for a, a central area as well. The, the fight Elliot just mentioned, Adam Ishmael against Andy Colon. That that was a superb fight at the start of the year, um, and it was a performance that that Ishmael needed as well. Um, I know he'd. He'd had a, a couple of losses going into the fight and, and, and so had Andy as well. And it was at that stage where they both needed the win and you mm-hmm. could tell that by the way they performed and a draw was probably the fair result. And like we were just talking about Quigley and Carroll, I don't know why that rematch hasn't happened either. Well, like I've I, I seen his mail and uh, I bumped into him in the street. As you know, I know him from back in the boxing academy days. And he actually he thinks he's retired now. He's not, he's not going to bother again, which is such a shame because he had so much to offer. It was a great fight. Yeah, I think, I know after the fight... Um, I know John Smith, Smogger, um, Merseyside boxing servant, he was pushing to try and get Adam some sort of English title shot or British title shot. And I think that was always going to be a little bit hard to materialise. Obviously, he'd had two losses. He'd had the draw against Colun. And obviously, the, the board can be very, very strict when they, when they feel like being strict. So yeah. I think that was a little bit of a, I don't want to say pipe dream, but it's probably a little step too far for Ishmael in regards to um, his results going into it. But... I've got no problem with Elliot's choice, but I, I, I think Ishmael Kalum probably just does edge it out for Slated me. Slated it as well. Uh, two others I want to mention as well. Uh, well, certainly one more I want to mention, which was an all-Merseyside derby at the Echo Arena back in April. Uh, Fazza, Tom Farrell against Tommy Cruz. I thought that was an absolute belt of a fight. Yeah, so that was a superb fight. He, I, I feel Karras is one of them fighters. He, he, I think if... If, if someone like a top promoter like Eddie Hearn and would have got hold of him at the start of his career and maybe matched them correctly and, and give him a little bit of time and space to learn because he's 
he has he has got some good attributes. He, he's tall. He's got a good jab. He, he, I, I do think with a little bit of time and a, a little bit more time spent on him, I think there is a, a lot better fighter in him than what he's shown so far. But that was a superb fight. Um, Farrell was was obviously. He, I know he had the, the fight with Kofi Yates, and he got a lot of confidence from that. Um, that was in last year, and and he kept obviously he, he had built a lot of momentum until he he ran into Roara Davis um, earlier this year, but. That was a fight where he learnt a lot. He, he took a lot of shots, but eventually he he, he just wore down him, um, Caddis, and that was a, that, that's a very good shelters fight of the year. Yeah. In terms of then, <clears throat> before we sign off on that on, on on fight of the year, I think we'll go with. Should we go with my choice or one of your? Do you know what? Because it was two scousers together. Let's say Farrell Caruso. We enjoyed that one certainly. Um, in, in terms of event, then uh, for me, obviously Bellew Hay happened down in London, but. You know, you guys both seen it as closely as I did. World Boxing Super Series, they promised us the Champions League of Boxing and, you know, I think they delivered hell, didn't they? They, they certainly did. I, I, walked away, I walked away from there that night. Full of cakes? Full of cakes. Because you were sitting ringside with yeah. a plate full of cakes, a gatto and everything you had. See, that, that's why Elliot's picking it as a event of the year. <laughs> but, but, listen, joke, all joking aside, it was all bells and whistles mm-hmm. and it was it was everything we were promised. And I on, I only hope that they deliver e- even more when they when they come back to when they come back to the UK with next year's right World Boxing Super Series, yeah, yeah. which which they undoubtedly will. Of course, if 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 what if the industry rumours of two two different um, divisions of Maybe featherweight because that's being talked about a lot, yeah. and they're talking about they've done cruiserweight, so they might do light heavyweight. I don't know, yeah. But it's what it's one of them where there's definitely choices in and around the UK. But in terms of that Liverpool, in terms of that Liverpool event he did for Callum Smith against Eric Scotland, little little shout out to Scotland actually. He's, yeah, yeah, he's of in course. A, he's in an injured coma yeah, at the we moment. Yeah, talked about he? that on last week's show yet. So. Fingers crossed with him, of course. Hopefully, we'll, we'll we'll still keep you up to date with any news as and when it happens. That, but that World Boxing Super Series event that was probably the standout event that I went to. I'm not talking about the fights that went down. Obviously, the fight itself, the main event, uh, Callum Smith, Eric Scoglund was a was a was a decent fight. You know, a really good fight. That whole tournament, though, Chris. Before we move on from it, especially the cruiserweight bracket, it it, it it's changed the face of boxing a little bit, hasn't it? It, it's still very much in the experimental stage, uh, I believe. Um, anything like this can, can only be good for boxing. As I said we, we we both know that um, boxing's got that habit of the best not fighting the best. Yeah. Um, fighters find reasons, but I say fighters, managers, promoters, TV find reasons for fights not to happen. With something like the um, the World Series of Boxing, it's it's you've got to fight. Um, you you know your opponents are. Um, you know you'll fight the next round. You know where your hard fights are. So it's very much still in the experimental stage. But I think they can be satisfied so far. It's given yeah. us some good fights. It's given some divisions some clarity. And obviously, Liverpool got its its first event this year. I didn't attend the event. I watched on TV. Um, but it did look the part. It, it did look good. You can tell a lot of money's been spent on it. Um, some ideas. Um, have gone into it, so, and it's it's at a time when boxing shows are happening in the city quite frequently now as mm. well. So, what are you going to do to make your show stand out? What yeah. what, what fights are you going to do? Why is um, there's there's two or three shows? Um, I think it was around September, October, November. The city just had this fleet of shows, all different promoters coming and yeah. different standards, different levels. What what are you going to do to make your event stand out? If you can only buy one ticket, why are you going to come to your show and? That's what the World Series is trying to do. It's trying to put the best fights on. It's trying to find the the best fighter in the division. And long may it continue. As I said, there's been discussions about where it's going to go next year. Um, so, as I said, Liverpool's played its part so far. Hopefully, we can get some more fights in the event next year. Yeah, next year would be brilliant, as you say. You know, they're looking at featherweights and and, and light heavyweights for being led to believe, which would be phenomenal. From a fan's perspective, from a Merseyside fan perspective, maybe not so good because we haven't really got a, a standout featherweight and a standout light heavyweight, someone like a Calm Smith that you could see getting into a tournament like that. I think as far as this city is concerned, a super lightweight uh, division might be pretty good or, or a super welterweight tournament bracket might be very good because we've got strong guys in, the, in, those, uh, in those weight classes. Um, 
let, let, let's take a different spin of our of our look back on 2017 for now. Then, what about disappointments, guys? What's been the one thing that has or hasn't happened that's kind of got to the end of 2017? You think you know that was that was the one thing this year which which you felt you know well disappointed from. I I was thinking about this, and I think we were having this conversation last year. I think we would have been speaking about. Callum Smith becoming a, a dominant force at, at super middleweight, and I feel a little bit sorry for Callum. I do. I know he's had um, he had the fight with Anthony Durrell mm-hmm. that was scheduled for um, I think it was Los Angeles, and then a few things changed there. But the promotion yeah. he wanted to move it back, back to Michigan here, here to, to favour Durrell. Yeah. Um, there was rumours of a fight with James DeGale in July, which would have been a massive domestic fight. Um, and obviously following the Gale's performance last week, he was he was ready for it. It, it, yeah, it might it have been, been a perfect um, time, an, an opportunity that that Carl might have missed. Um, and I think Carl's only as he fought once this year, and, once, and, and that well, was the fight with Scoglin. Yeah. And, and there was an exaggeration about how he performed. I don't think Carl struggled. I think no. Um, I think he was in there with a a guy who was probably a. And level above what he's been used to in, in previous opponents. Scotland was a top ranked that, light heavyweight, and, and 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 the the way Callum's gone about his career so far, stopping people early, um, a lot of first round victories, because he was in there with someone who was fighting back and and, and hitting back and catching him with shots and and, and bloody his nose. I think there was a slight overreaction about Callum's placing in the sport, but he's someone who would definitely think could have had a. A better, a more productive year. Yeah. I would say, like I said, he he's finished his year um, in the, the the semi-finals of the World Series, a fight against Bremer, which I'm absolutely certain he'll win, and he'll go on to the final. So he'll, he'll probably have his moment against the winner of the Groves and Eubank. But in terms of 2017, I think Callum Smith should have probably had a become world champion, had that standout fight, that marquee fight. But hopefully, he can get that in 2018, and if yeah. he does, I, I'm very confident he can perform and show people how good he is. Yeah. Well, what was the what was the one thing for you? The disappointment for me it wasn't wasn't so much of a fighter or a fight. It was a it it was more of a collective thing, and it's it's happening it's happening all all over the all over the country. I think it's the um, it's down to I don't know what it is. It could be ticket prices, whatever. But the poor attendances when it comes to shows, mm-hmm. it, especially especially in Liverpool, because. I was speaking to I was speaking to Francis Warren mm-hmm. not so long ago, and Francis was telling me that the knock Frank isn't coming back to Liverpool at any point soon. This was before Liam Smith mm-hmm. became mandatory for the world, for the world title again, but um, he said Frank isn't coming back to Liverpool anytime soon because it's hard to promote, yeah, because it's difficult to sell tickets, yeah, and I think I don't know what I don't know what it is that there was a. That show that we talked about earlier on, which uh, Farrell against Karras featured on, that was that was a quite quite poorly attended show. Yeah, and I think to be honest, which was a, a point that I w- wanted to make earlier on, I think Farrell against Karras, I think it saved it saved that show in terms of the quality of fight it was. Mm-hmm. But that's something that's got to be addressed in the new year. No, it is. And that, you know what? It's a great point that you make there as well. And this is a conversation that I had with the Sowland brothers, uh, certainly in the bit, in the build-up to the World Boxing Super Series, which we've just picked out then as being our favourite event on Merseyside in 2017. But even that event, it was less than half full, the Echo Arena. Um, and they were on to me kind of saying, why is no one buying tickets? You know, Why is there not this big push for tickets? Now, a week before, or I think it was 10 days before that fight, I was on the on the dock front because it was the tall ships parade and yet I didn't see a single poster for the World Boxing Super Series I didn't see a single banner for the Muhammad Ali trophy so I think promoters have got to take a bit of responsibility you've got to point people to these things as well but what do you think that is then Chris there is I think El makes a great point there is a bit of a downshift in attendances right now is it because we're getting too many shows I think I think you've made a good point about the promoters I certainly think there's a I don't want to say arrogance, but there's certainly a laziness among some promoters. You said you spoke with Salons, Elliot spoke with Francis Warren. Um, I briefly asked Eddie Ayn the question after Paul Butler's last fight for him against Stewie Hall um, in the, the post-fight press conference, and he was talking about um, the amount of events that were happening, something that we've just touched on earlier. But it, it, it is, I think, nowadays, I think it's just a case of, we all know who the ticket sellers are. Um, for the, for the, a long time now, we, we're, we're sort of we've got that access to boxes through social media and obviously 
little things that Sky Sports do and BT Sport do, Box Nation do. We know who the popular fighters are, and um, it's not just a case of just saying to Masha Dodd, there's 500 tickets, go yeah, and sell them. Of course. Rocky Fielding, there's another 500. You've still got to make good fights. You've, you've got to get on radio, you've got to get in newspapers, you've got to get in front of TV cameras. Um, and it, it's been done before. It, it, it's like I said, you, you look at some of the fights that have been well attended. Um, Bellevue cleverly won um, the, the rematch with, yeah. with Bellevue. Um, Derry Matthews has done well. Look at the, the old fights between Paul Smith and Tony Quigley and, and, and Tony Dodson, Dodson when them used to fight. And then the arenas went, went full to, to the brim, but there was very good numbers in there for what were essentially... British title fights um, between those guys and um, but we, you look back then Sky Sports used to, to, to run features um, yeah. like I said I think it's it's just a case now of not just relying on your ticket sellers you, you, you've got to get your fighters out there you've got to put posters up um, work with local media work with television radio newspapers do whatever you can to sell tickets I do think there is an laziness amongst promoters that, that that's probably the the biggest cause, I think, I think they do rely on ticket sellers quite heavily. And when ticket sellers don't sell, because they don't always sell. No. Um, so I, I think there is a bit of laziness amongst promoters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, you know, sometimes you think you've got the golden goose there, but as Masha Dodd proved, they took him back to Prenton Park. They thought it was going to be an easy sell. They put him in with absolutely nobody, and nobody turned up. I think there's a lesson there for everybody. But one thing is for sure, this city is still full of fight fans, but they're fight fans that won't have the wool pulled over their eyes. So we need great fights. Hopefully 2018 will deliver great fights. And coming up in part three, we're going to be talking about what great fights and what we are looking forward to between the three of us, most of all, in 2018. And we'll also take the opportunity to have a look back over the career of an absolute Merseyside boxing legend. Stick with us. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples here on Radio City Talk. We are doing a review of all things great Merseyside boxing for 2017. Actually, on a quick side note, if you want stuff about international boxing or mixed martial arts, particularly UFC, then tune in to fightdisciples.com. We've got two podcasts on there right now doing a full international review of both sports. And on that note, mixed martial artist of the year, Chris Fishgold, Darren Till, Lee Chadwick, three scouts who've had phenomenal years inside the octagon. Take your pick, take your pick. Uh, in terms of back to boxing then, um, <coughs> performance of the year, men. Uh, we've had some great standout performers in 2017 one-off fights title fights everything else um of a particular favorite for me i thought jay metcalf we mentioned it earlier in this show his performance against damon jones brilliant answered a lot of critics but also brought in a lot of fans and i also love tasha jonas's pro debut back in june up in newcastle um chris your performance of the year 2017 yeah it's, it's probably going to be a a perform an announcement that's going to shock people, but I think the bravery Tom Farrell showed um, facing Owara Davis back in September um, at the Echo Arena, like he, he went up several levels to face Davis, and I don't think people give him much chance beforehand. But he got off to the worst possible start, heavy knockdown in the opening round, um, kept going down, and 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 he kept getting back up, and and he, he showed immense bravery and courage just to keep going. Um, and it really was, uh, I was sitting ringside for it and I, I just couldn't believe that the punishment he was taking. Um, and to keep getting up from that, it, it really did leave a mark on me that night. And it's not always the performances where it's a it's a masterclass or it's a one-punch knockout. Sometimes you can look a little bit deeper and just yeah. admire someone for showing such courage and getting back up, just trying to get his way back into the fight. And... He, he did. I was really impressed with, with Tom's bravery that last that night and it, it did really um, resonate with me. I had him in the studio just a few weeks ago, Chris, and um, it hasn't affected him at all. In fact, yeah. you know, he, he doesn't see it as a loss, he sees it as a lane. Yeah. And that's important at this stage of his career. I was with him at the, um, the Steve Wood show that was in the, the BT Convention Centre um, a few weeks later and we, and we had a little chat about it. It was not too serious and he seemed in good spirits and it was a fight he had to take. I, I spoke with Steve Wood in the build-up to it and he was probably getting Owara Davis. If he, if he was always going to be a big underdog, but if he was ever a chance to beat Owara, that night was probably it. He was coming off the Josh Taylor loss where um, he, he basically turned his back on Taylor and, and he was ridiculed um, on social media. and um, he, he did really take a lot of flack for that performance, Owara Davis. So if there was any demons from that performance or if his confidence had been affected, 
the fight against Farrell was the time where it was going to be exposed. But unfortunately, um, like we just said about Farrell learning from that defeat, it looked like a lot of Davis learned from the Josh Taylor setback because he was sensational that night. He was vicious, yeah. Vicious performance. Uh, L, hopefully something a bit more positive in terms of a Scouser winning. Well, listen, I've got, to, I've got to echo what Chris has just said about Farrell, first mm. of all. Yeah. Before going on to say that it's it's just too difficult for me to look past Bellew's performance against David Hay. Yeah. It was a great performance, a great night. A lot of scousers made a lot of money, which I'll say again, apart from me. Mm-hmm. But it was um it was something that will definitely will definitely go down in Merseyside boxing hist- history books. Yeah. And I think uh, in in years to come when we have Mersey Mersey fighters four, five, six, and seven. We might even we might even see might Tony to Bellew. Well, he need he need his own book, I think. He need his own book. The career run he's been on. Uh, before we move on, and, and and legacy was a good point to move on from. Um, I also want to mention the fact that um, uh, Rocky Field and against David Brophy. I don't know whether I picked and mentioned that earlier, but his 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 first round destruction of David Brophy to add the Commonwealth belt to his Lonsdale belt uh, at the Echo Arena back in September. I thought was absolutely outstanding, and hopefully Rocky is someone that can really push on in 2018 as well. In in, in terms of legacy, then uh, we we talked about Tony Bellew's legacy there. Probably the biggest. Uh, thing that happened in 2017 in terms of this city and, and a legacy of fighters and, and, the, and the history of certainly modern day boxing. Uh, we saw the retirement of an absolute legend in Denny Matthews and uh, and Chris, you know, anyone that looked at Denny's career maybe on paper that, that in, in 20 years time that wasn't along for the ride may not see between the lines there of what this man achieved and what he managed to do in this city. You know, the kind of fan control that he had, the, you know, the support that he had, but also the, the, the peaks and troughs that his career offered us as fans. Yeah, I think with all his community work at the moment, I think people will probably forget that he was ever a boxer in 20 years' time, to be That's honest. Right. Um, <laughs> you've run out of words to, to describe Derry Matthews. This is a man who, who retired back in 2009, if you remember. Mm-hmm. He, he took about 10 months out then um, because he was just, and obviously he, he would only been mid-20s then as well. So to, to 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 retire from the sport then, um, and it was and don't forget that was a decision that people applauded. People, yeah, yeah. people people said it was the right decision. Um, no one, not many people asked him to come back. Um, and the, the second half of his career, it, it it's just absolutely sensational. Um, I know there's, there's still the defeats there, and on paper his his record might not look the greatest, but. He's another one like Bellew. He, he's put every single ounce in, into having a successful career, and it almost got the, the the happy ending when he fought Terry Flanagan the world title fight. Um, he had the nights against Crawler. Um, they were magical nights both fights. The first one especially, probably the one of the all time great Merseyside boxing away days, going mm-hmm. up to Manchester to take on Anthony Crawler, and it, it was a not between the fighters but between the fans. It was a a bit of a nasty build-up. I know it was a satisfying victory for Derry, but he's taken everything he's he's got from boxing now and, and he's given back. He's given back to the community. He's given back to the next generation of fighters. He's set up a fantastic stable in his gym. Guys like Craig Glover, Jay Metcalf, Jazza Dickens is there now. Mm-hmm. David Price is there now. Um, and what a story it'd be if he could turn um, David Price's career around. Well, I know, yeah, uh, exactly. If, if there's one person who, who, who probably knows what it's like to turn a career around it, it's, it's Derry Matthews so I wish Derry nothing but the success in, in anything he applies himself to he, he's been a, a wonderful servant to Merseyside Boxing he's always been on hand when I've needed any help or assistance and I, I just think what, whatever he puts his time to now I'm sure he'll be a massive success at it I know that the uh, Liverpool Mayor Joe Anderson has been communicating with Derry as well Al, about you know putting some hopefully putting some some funding behind his dis- disability boxing scheme because that's like Life-changing, not just for the people involved, but in terms of using boxing as a vehicle to promote uh, health and wellness within the disabled community. That, that's phenomenal. No one's ever done that before. Listen, um, I was with, I was with Derry last week, and we, we spoke about it, obviously because um, I'm, a big, I'm a big advocate of disability boxing, obviously because I'm, I'm disabled, but this is about them. Mm-hmm. This is about Derry, and it's about what he's doing. And what what Eddie's what Eddie's doing is unbelievable. Um, he was saying that you you mentioned that you mentioned that Joe Anderson 
mm-hmm. has been in touch and he was saying that he wants to open a disability boxing hub for the city. Yeah. So he wants to, he, it's like he wants a disability only gym. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Just so, just so that they, those that are less, less able can get the same vibe, the same feeling as being, as somebody who's able-bodied and can enjoy the sport properly. Yeah. You see Derry now, I've seen him on, you know, on, over the weekend, actually, as recently as that, at his, at his club show. And, uh, okay, he's got new hair, he's looking great, he's looking the part and everything else, but, you know, there's not a person in this city that's got a bad word to say about Derry Matthews, is that he's, you know, he, he's one of them fellas, not only have we looked up to him as an athlete, but now you kind of look, you can't help but look up to him as a man and what he's doing for the community. Yeah, he looks younger now than when he did when he won his AVA title <laughs> back in 2002, I think. Um Yes, I said you could sit here for. I said we've got a certain amount of time to wrap this show up. We we, we could have made the whole show about Derry Matthews with with what he's achieved in his career, um, and he's still looking to give back now. I, I I thought I did think the retirement to be short-lived when the stuff with with Masha Dodd was getting said over the summer. I did. Um, I know Derry. <laughs> He does. He doesn't love that spotlight, and I know he'll miss it. But I think as time's gone on now, like I said, when did he, he announce his retirement in March after in March, the after, after the, 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 the Davis, Davis fight? Um, I did think in time he, he might start getting itchy knuckles, and he'd, he'd want to come back and start fighting and the stuff with Masha Dodd. I've had these a few exchanges on social media, but I think that was a big, big test for him not to to, to get involved and not accept that fight because the offer was there on the table for him, I believe. Yeah. So. He's got his focus now. He, he's got the kids in his gym. He, he, he's got the community work he's doing, and he, he's got an outstanding stable there. Um, with, with he's learning from George Vaughan. He's got Joe McNally in there, who's who's a fantastic fighter from this city. Yeah. Um, outstanding amateur. Um, and he, I think he was an undefeated pro as well. Yeah. Um, but he, he he's there now in Derry's gym, and and the three of them are just all learning from each other. And like I said, the the vibes you get from people going there. Um, like I said, Dave Price, Jazza Dickens, they're no fools. They 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 they've been around the sport a long, long time. Yeah. And for them to put their careers in the hands of Derry, George Vaughan, Joe McNally, and Derry's gym, I think Derry's gonna have a very bright future as a trainer. That brings on perfectly then to our to our biggest hopes and aspirations for 2018, and and I'll kick it off with someone from Derry's gym as well. And to be honest, I never mentioned it earlier in the show, but for me, heartbreakingly, one of the biggest disappointments of 2017 was back in February when David Price, or you know, the the fighter formerly known as David Price, on that night uh, failed to turn up against Christian Hammer for the WBO European belt. On that night, I really didn't see a way back for Pricey. Um, but now at Derry, he's, he's, he's got a win under his belt. Um, the most important thing about Big Pricey is he's got a smile on his face. He's enjoying his boxing again. Um, you know, he's in great spirits. And for me, David Price's career, what is this, chapter three, chapter four? Whatever it is, 2018, that's one of the big things I'm looking forward to most next year. I think I think his aspirations are a little bit more realistic now. I think he's watered them down slightly because... Before the hammer fight, there was rumours that he was going to step in for um, to, to face Anthony Joshua at the back end of 2016. Um, I think the hammer loss humbled him a little bit. Um, I know we did consider his future. I spoke with him for Boxing News um, a couple of months ago. And I think it's just a case of staying in the gym, getting fights and just seeing where it takes him. I don't think he's got any names in sight, any any world titles in sight at the moment, he knows he's pretty much got to start again and, and, and climb the ladder. And there's probably nothing wrong with going down that British title route again. As I said, there's still some good tests out there for him now. Um who can build his confidence and, and and maybe just 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 see what happens. Um there is heavyweights are quite interesting again. Mm-hmm. Um the division hasn't got the glory at once had but there's still a few interesting fights that can be made there and I think if Price is realistic about what he can do, then take some time, get back to winning ways, keep learning in the gym, stay in the gym. Who knows where it might take him? The, the vulnerabilities are going to stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, people are aware that obviously he, he might have stamina issues, um, there might be issues with his chin, but he'll be an exciting fight. And he admits that himself. That's what he said to me when I interviewed him. He, 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 it seems to be he'll either knock you out or he'll get knocked out. Um, and 
that's always a, a good quality for a, a heavyweight boxer from a selling standpoint for TV and stuff like that. So I think he's definitely someone who promoters will want to work with. Um, but as I said, I don't know where this journey will take him. Um, I know 12 months ago, um, going into the Hammer fight, a victory over Hammer would have got him a, a lofty position with one of the governing bodies. Hammer fought Pavekin on Friday night, yeah, which, did, which, yeah. which was a... An eliminator as well, final yeah, eliminator for yeah, AJ. So, so, like I said, if he won that fight against Hammer, then it, it might have been a a platform to to something massive where he where he does want to be. And I do. Uh, it's just a, a shame he he had it all at one point, and like I said, it's just a a couple of little tweaks here and there, some smarter matchmaking, and yeah. like I said, who, who knows what might have happened. But 2018's a fresh start though, Chris. You know, anything could happen in 2018. Ellen, turn to yourself then, what are you looking forward to most, or what are you hoping for most next year? I want to see Jazza get back in for the British title. <clears throat> um, the the board notices earlier this month, uh, unfortunately, Jazza didn't get the shot. They, they didn't actually give Tommy Ward a mandatory, but they've ordered an, an eliminator. Uh, so Jazz is just waiting. He okay. said he said he, he said he wants it. Yeah. Well of course he wants it. Of course yeah. he wants it. What yeah. else what else then are you looking forward to? Come on, we're running out of time here. Um I'm looking forward to a good a good year for Liam Smith. Yep. I, I think. World title fight next, yeah, hopefully. Definitely. Um I'd like to I'd like to see that in Liverpool. But who knows yeah. whether whether that will will be brought over? I, I think if you beat Miguel Cotto in New York, you're not going to make your the first defense on the road in Liverpool. In all honesty, no. I think Liam's probably going to have to travel for that one, Chris. There's other world title fights out there for Scousers, though, isn't it? Tasha Jonas can't be a million miles away. Paul Butler, we're told, is is a contract away. Yeah, on the way into the studio, we were talking about Butler fighting um, Solis in in February, but I said that's still a fight that's. Yeah. Open air. I think there's, there's, there doesn't seem to be any clarity with the WBA. I know Jamie McDonald is still the, the the regular belt holder with the WBA. So I don't know what's going to happen in the next coming weeks. I think another name we need to look at is Robbie Davis. Yeah, um, absolutely. He was flying high in the WBA rankings until he had that setback against Sirawaka. So um, he's someone who needs a, a big 2018 if he's to fulfil his potential. I know he was the he was a scoper Oada Davis to be fighting for the scoper Robbie Davis to be fighting Oada Davis um, on the bell you won the card um, until that that whole show got pulled. Um, but as I said, he, he's still trying to find that WBA ranking. He, the rematch clause with Sarah Walker exists, so hopefully that's something his manager Neil Marsh can put right in 2018 and get that fight back and get Robbie back up the rankings. Yeah, there's definitely loads of big fights out out there, as I say. It wasn't uh, 2017, wasn't necessarily the year when Scousers lifted belts above their head. But listen, next year, Butler, Rocky Fielding, Callum Smith, Liam Smith, Robbie Davis, Tony Bellew. You know, there's so many title fight opportunities out there. Tasha Jonas, there's so many world title belts that you feel are just a phone call away. 2018 is going to be absolutely huge. Let me Before we sign off, guys, let me get one name off you for your scouser to watch in 2018. L, one name. Give, give us a name. I've got to go with Tasha. Tasha Jonas. Chris? I'm going to I'm gonna go with Anthony Fowler. I think that's... Um, he, he's got to keep that momentum going into 2018 and, and he, I think he'll win a lot of fans along the way as well. And I'm going to go with... You know, the only way to sign off the show is the way we started the show. I'm going to go with Tony Bell. You becoming not only the man to retire, David Hay, but also to become Liverpool's first ever heavyweight champion of the world. You're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Have a wonderful Christmas and we'll catch you in the new year. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.